Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Clear Thinking, brought to you by Better Broadhead. Our town, their future. Please welcome your host, Aaron Menzel. All right, today I'm interviewing Amelia Lyman, that's correct, right? <laughs> From the AIDS Resource Center of Wisconsin, and we're going to talk about um, what that is, what work you do in Green and Rock County. So thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited to be on my very first podcast. I know, it is exciting. I love podcasts. Oh, I think they're great. Yeah, I do too. But I mainly listen to true crime. So Ooh, this is a little bit of a shift. Yeah, yeah. Still. Oh, so, yeah, since we're like educational and not, you know, quite like as... Itchy. Yeah, exactly. So, first of all, can you explain <clears throat> to the listeners what exactly is the AIDS Resource Center? Yeah, so AIDS Resource Center of Wisconsin, or ARCW, because it's quite a mouthful, is actually not specific to Wisconsin. So they're working on rebranding the name because we're also in Denver, Colorado, and St. Louis, Missouri, and then we're working on a few other locations. So really, <laughs> That's interesting. It's, it's a bit misleading. Um, but anyways, ARCW is home to the ARCW Medical Center, which is essentially Wisconsin's largest and fastest growing HIV healthcare system. So we use an integrated approach to address a person who's living with HIV, their kind of individual needs, um, whether it be specific health care, dental, mental health. We also have social services like case management, um, legal help, um, what else, a food pantry, and stuff like that. And we provide this over kind of a long-term care to better address their individual needs. Nice, kind of treating the entire yeah, so it's, person, it's, not just one portion of what they right. would struggle with. It's very comprehensive, because, I mean, you have to kind of think of just how humans work. We kind of prioritize our needs, and so obviously one of the key things ARCW does is we really want to make sure people are taking their medication. Well, in order for people to take their medication and get to the doctors to do that, they, you know, you, you have to make sure that, you know, a person might prioritize, do they have shelter, do they have food, do they have transportation, and so we offer all of that to completely, entirely support that person so they can stick to their, um, their health regimen and their medication. So is the hope of treating the entire person and all the prioritized needs is that they stay in the HIV status rather than to progressing AIDS. to AIDS? Yeah. Okay. So actually, one of the, uh, what ARCW does is it supports a person so that they uh, can stick, adhere to their medication and then bring their viral load to an undetectable level. Okay. So right now, oh man, we have a, I want to between a, like a 95 or higher, maybe an, a 98% success rate at getting our clients to an undetectable level and essentially what that means is if they're at an undetectable level then they can't transmit the virus right so in terms of prevention and controlling the spread this is ideal right it's also just optimal for the health of the individual who is living with hiv so undetectable is kind of like it's in remission right it's in such small amounts that you can't detect it Wow, that's pretty amazing it's success rate. It's super amazing. And yeah. I mean, it's just like, what, 30, 40 years, 30 years ago that HIV came? Yes. And so now we're at this point, and hopefully, you know, in the next double it, so in another 30 years, we'll have some sort of cure out there. So was the ARCW, was it created during that 
time period when AIDS was becoming such an epidemic? Yeah. Okay. So it was created in August of 1988. I had to ask her out for that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go through a few channels to figure yeah. it out. But yes, and I would imagine it was created in response to the um, that early AIDS epidemic. Right. Um, and then, you know, the people in Wisconsin that we were seeing diagnosed with AIDS and HIV. So it started in Wisconsin and then branched out to Denver and St. Louis. St. Louis. Okay. Is it the only one? I didn't put this on our list of questions before, but I'm just thinking here. Is it the only resource center like this in the States or are there others like in California and larger oh, cities? Oh, yeah. yeah. There, there's other really great, like, um, HIV pro- programs around the country uh, I know California I mean all the major hubs right. New York has a great one Atlanta definitely does okay um, but we are we're pretty much the only one in Wisconsin that offers kind of this complete coverage okay of it. okay that's cool so when did they start offering like the additional services like the social services when did it kind of morph into yeah. that entire spectrum? Right. So I think with the start, when it first started in the late 80s, that was kind of like um, the social, like the case management and some limited like dental and medical help um, or services. And then from my understanding, at least, um, the HIV medical home model started in 2011, um, so we adopted this comprehensive medical dental behavior services, um, and then we most recently, in the past couple of years, added a pharmacy as well. So it's a specialized pharmacy that works, um, that knows the ins and outs of the, of HIV medication and kind of the um, other stuff that can be associated with HIV. And we offer most of this stuff at the uh, majority of our locations, like Madison, Milwaukee, Green Bay, they all have medical homes there. Okay. So you personally serve Rock and Green County with your job description, right? So exactly what do you do? As a prevention specialist? Yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. So (laughs) I should always, I should first say that ARCW kind of has like two segments. It's, you know, it treats people who have HIV, but it also has a segment or a part that works to prevent HIV. Um, And that's what I work with, obviously, prevention specialists. So um, first off, you know, we offer a number of programs that are non-judgmental and safe. Obviously, we're never going to judge someone for their risk behaviors. We want to identify their risk behaviors and work with the individual to decrease it. Um, and we do this a number of ways, one, through education. And the great thing with this is that it can be modified to best um, to best meet the needs of the individual or the population. Right. So, I mean, how I educate or interact with youth is going to be completely different to how I interact with an older population. Right, yeah. 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 Um, so I have that ability, and it can be something as grand as a full classroom type of thing. Like, I go into a community and do an HIV education or something as simple as, like, a nervous phone call because someone thinks something happened and they just right. kind of want to go over the basics again. So there's a lot of opportunity for education, and I'm a huge supporter of that. Um, what else do we have? Oh, obviously, we offer HIV, hepatitis C, and syphilis testing. 
So these are rapid screening tests. Rapid meaning that they just take 15 to 20 minutes and a person will get results back. Um, and they're just a finger poke, so it's great. And you don't have to initially do any blood draw. It's just a little poke of the finger and away we go. Um, we take walk-ins or do appointments. And if someone is ever unsure, um, if they should be tested or what their risk is, they can always give us a call. And we can, and we can kind of figure out what's the smartest and best next move for that individual. So those walk-ins and rapid tests, are those done at your office in Beloit? Yep. Okay. Yep. So in at Beloit, and this is done at all ARCW all locations. Okay. Um, I do have the ability to do it in our mobile um, outreach van as well. If someone like lives in Broadhead and right. can't make it to Beloit, okay. I completely understand that. Um, so there is that possibility. Obviously, if they needed that, an appointment would be preferred. Right, <laughs> right. But, yeah, sometimes it's like people, they have a very limited time of when they're ready to get tested mm -hmm. because it can be intimidating. Yeah. So you got to get them when they're ready, get them in, get them tested, send them on the way right. type thing. Um, so education, testing, um, and then, of course, we do the Life Point Needle Exchange Program, which is just celebrated its 25th year nice. today or 20th wait it was one of those somewhere two. around there i would i should know yeah it's so a long time it's been around yeah. yeah 25th year because it's i'm two years older than it so okay I'm dating myself i know but that's <laughs> that's how i remember um so the life point needle exchange program so this is a program that's based off of harm reduction which i'm sure you know all about yep. but essentially harm reduction is you know a set of practical strategies that help us guide to um, help guide us to interact with a population that's engaging in a certain risky behavior. So in this case the risky behavior would be injection drug use. Um, you know it's more feasible and realistic to keep this population safe as they you know initiate and navigate the stages of change um, as well as this also has a positive effect on the health and the well-being of the greater community. So essentially, because this, this is always kind of a point of curiosity I for was going to say, yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot of people, especially those I know in law enforcement are like, it's just encouraging them yeah. to <laughs> use a drug sure. that is administered through needles. Yeah. But when you think of it in a broad scale. A broad scale. I mean, at no point do we ever uh, encourage or condone, condemn, condone whatever one both of I would both. say yeah yeah so at no point do we ever like encourage or condone condemn whatever their drug use we right. kind of just acknowledge that this is kind of bigger than it is this is part of addiction this is part of mental health and while you're waiting for someone to change and kind of start that change as as frustrating as that can be to wait that has to be that has to be organic the person right. has to decide when it's right and so while we wait for that person to get to that stage we have an opportunity to keep them safe right and, and others as well exactly because yeah. that you know populations we're, we're all connected in mm -hmm. a sense you know so what affects one population will trickle trickle into the greater community and as well as the beauty of what uh, the needle exchange that not a lot of people ever consider is that it can actually be kind of a stepping stone into treatment right. with this is a safe space that they can come they're not like they're, they're treated like humans they're right. you know their feelings are validated 
um, they're listened to. There's a ton of resources in terms of like mental health treatment, of course, and even your basics like food pantry. Cycling right. back again, you have to meet those like hierarchy needs. Yeah. Yeah, and so in a way, the needle exchange can act as kind of an accelerant to them, like starting that change faster than what it would be, what it would have been. Right. But yeah, I get that all the time. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're just giving them, you know, it's just, it's like death in a bag. I had one person say that. And it's like, you know, the thing with addiction is that is the continued use regardless of the no consequences. So right. whether or not they have access to clean equipment, they're going to use. And so, right. we need, you know, these are people too. We yeah, need we need to, them. yeah, exactly. Much yeah. better than be safe yes. than and, spreading something yeah. or getting something because of their... Yeah. Use. yeah, yeah, and I think the the attitude towards exchanges is evolving, which is great. Yeah, um, but uh, I think it's the most controversial of the services that you offer. Yeah, is absolutely. needle exchange. Yeah. Yep, most definitely. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how people view it. Um, so besides that. Is there anything else in your prevention work that you want to kind of touch on? Yeah. So, okay. well, in conjunction with the needle exchange program, um, we do uh, Narcan training and overdose prevention education. I mean, obviously, you want to train people on how to use Narcan, but you also want to educate them on how to prevent the overdoses right. where you have to use the Narcan. So they go to they go together like peanut butter and jelly, in my my opinion. Right. Um, and then once someone has been trained, we can give them the the medication. So. We do a lot of training for people who utilize the exchange as well as a lot of community-based individuals and organizations as well. Right, which we have collaborated on a couple yes, before. <laughs> and I believe you do it all over Rock County as well. Correct? I do it, yeah. yep, Green Rock, Walworth, and Jefferson counties. Wow. Yes, so. That's a lot. A lot of travel. Yeah, do you usually get a lot of people who show up to the Narcan training, or does it kind of depend on I think it kind of de- community? <laughs> uh, it depends upon a couple of things. The weather and if the packers or, or brewers are <laughs> I feel like that's always a factor it's, with it's everything. It's <laughs> it, it is. There'll be people who are like, oh, we should schedule something on a Monday. And I'm like, no, don't even try. There's football on. There's, right. No one's going to No one's going to show up. <laughs> yeah. But generally, they're well attended and they're by, and they're kind of people from all sorts and or walks of life. Like they've either are, you know, in recovery themselves to people who, like, have no idea uh, this has not touched their life at all, but they're curious. Right. And they want to learn. Right. And I think, though, that's great. I think so, too. You never know in your walk in life if you're going to run into someone who may have um, a substance use disorder. You may need to use Narcan. Yes. We were in O'Hare Airport a month ago, and we were stuck there overnight. Oh, jeez. And we were sitting at Starbucks, and the homeless population comes into the terminal, and a gentleman slumps over his suitcase, uh-huh. and we're looking at each other. <gasps> Wait, oh, my what? God. Yes. No. Like, does anyone have Narcan? And we were just on our flight, and I was thinking, I didn't bring anything because I didn't think you could take Narcan on a plane. Yeah, I don't. So then the guy falls all the way over Shh. and then wakes up. Oh. Like oh my god! Oh, oh my gosh! It that was would, scary. Oh. Yeah, you never know. Stomach would be like when this could happen that you could run into someone who would need to yeah. be and brought back. Exactly, and you know we have this stereotype of like what addiction looks like. Right. And the fact is, like you don't know anyone. Yeah. You know, we're all humans. We all have 
can suffer from it. Exactly. So, and that's what I, I kind of associate, you know, these trainings with a little, as you probably, you've sat in many of my trainings, so you know what I'm going to say, but uh, with um, a bit of herd immunity, Mm -hmm. where the better educated we are and the better prepared we are to um, look out and help each other along the way. You know, life is hard, so we got to be buddies. Exactly, yeah. So... Why did you kind of personally get involved with this work? Yeah, so, oh, well, I've always been interested in comprehensive sexual health education. Um, and I went to school up at UW Lacrosse, and I got an undergrad in um, community health education. So when I was up there, I was like, well, there's so much you can do with this degree. How do I narrow it down? And, you know, with that sexual health education as um, one of my interests, I started volunteering at a ton of places, and one of them was ARCW and Cross Office. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so I'm the perfect example of how, like, just lack of education can, like, you just have no idea how to react to something. Um, when I first started there, I never heard of a needle exchange. My interaction and knowledge of addiction and mental health was pretty limited. Right. And I remember going, like, her, um, do, giving me the tour and me being, like, the person who was like, oh, my God, aren't you just encouraging drug use? Right. Because like, I, I didn't know. Yeah. Like, and it just makes sense that, oh, this probably does. But until I sat down and thought, like, learned about it, was I able to really understand. Yeah. So... I'm also I'm a good example of how the thought process can evolve once you kind of understand right. it, take the opportunity to learn it. Anyways, going to make a long story short, <laughs> was a volunteer, became an intern, and then eventually that led to my employment at the Beloit office, and I've been there for three years. So this is work that I firmly believe in, yeah. and it has, you know, just, like, feels right in my, who I am as a person, and, like, my soul. Right. Not to sound horny. (laughs) But I think that, I mean, there's a lot of people who do a job just to make money or like, do a job and come home. And then there's others that do a job because it fulfills something. And you're like thinking of the greater good, right? Mm -hmm. Like making a difference and you definitely fall into that category. I definitely fall into that (laughs) category. I have a very hard time with just going to work making money and coming home oh, it feels I, empty to me I so couldn't. yeah i mean if some people can do that great yeah. you do you but i just i couldn't yeah it's I difficult couldn't. i also very much need like human interaction yeah I need to feel like i'm connecting and like being part of something greater yeah so this definitely. job definitely probably from a selfish reason this job fulfills it <laughs> but i think we all have selfish reasons for why we do things so. oh yeah probably yeah, yeah falls into the line i'm sure we're only human right right so Kind of getting back to the HIV um, issue, I guess. And do you know the statistics of how many people in Wisconsin yeah. are living with HIV? Yes. So um, I got all of my data from the CDC. You can also get this from the Wisconsin Department of Health Services. Um, so it's pretty accessible. But at, at the end of 2017, there were about 7,000 individuals in the state of Wisconsin living with HIV. Um, but they say about three-fourths were diagnosed in the state and then a quarter were diagnosed somewhere else but then moved to the state. Um, And, this is great, 92% of people living with HIV in Wisconsin were virally suppressed, so they're at that undetectable level. Yeah, That is pretty amazing. When you think about the history of AIDS, 
in general and how many people lost their lives to it. And now we're getting mm-hmm. to the point where 92% are suppressed. That's uh, amazing. It is. It's, it's Yeah. There's room for improvement. Like, we can still get oh, do yeah. more. But, I mean, this is incredible. It is. And how many of those people do you know this ARCW serve? Um, I want to say... I, I think currently there's... We serve about 8,000 patients. Okay. But that's also, I think, combined with Denver and St. Okay. Louis. So there's still a good... So I would say we, st- we cover a good chunk of that 7,000. Okay. There are some people that they, they can just handle it on their own. They're pretty independent right, about it. Right, right. How does someone go about... Um, Coming to the ARCW and getting served by them. Is it like an insurance thing? Is it free? It is, uh, it's, yeah, so it's it's pretty easy. Um, you know, a lot of times they're referred to us okay. by other kind of key uh, local agencies, their okay. case managers. Um, most of our services are either they take insurance um, or are free. We... Well, part of what case management does is to make sure these individuals get get health insurance immediately. Okay. Okay. That way they can go to their doctors, they can get the medication, and it's all covered. Okay. That's cool. I, I was curious earlier, and I kind of forgot to ask. <laughs> um, so... What is the correlation, Do you have if you have any numbers, um, those who are struggling with um, any sort of um, sexually transmitted diseases and then struggling with substance use disorder? Is there, is there a correlation that you guys see in your work? Well, I, I guess it depends upon what, what dis, dis, disease you're talking about. Okay. So, like, HIV, um, you know, I was talking with my case manager, and she typically said that the general population doesn't suffer or, or doesn't suffer from a substance use disorder. Um, but, of course, I mean, just like all populations, there is a percent right. that do suffer. Um, so either, you know, substance use happens for a kaleidoscope of reasons, so it's really hard to say exactly why that person started So using. would it be kind of like the same statistics as the general population? Like, there's no difference... Maybe. I Maybe? Don't, yeah. yeah. I okay. Don't, I, I, don't, I don't know enough to give you a confident answer. Okay. Um, but if we are talking about hepatitis C, so we're kind of shifting gears now because yeah. we also test for that, there is a big correlation between substance use and hepatitis C Interesting. infection. Is it mostly that needle use and the hepatitis C? It's mostly okay. the, the use of the needle as well as the other equipment involved um, and people not um, u- using dirty or previously used equipment and okay. not necessarily having access to clean equipment. Interesting. Or even information. There's a lot of bad information out there, or misinformation about hepatitis C, HIV, STDs, the whole, the whole works. Right, yeah. Which... It surprises me in a way, only because I remember learning about it in health class in high school. Like, you know, it. Yeah. Maybe it's that there isn't educational along the way, rather than just yeah. getting it. I, I yeah, I think you know some people they get a class about HIV and they get it once back in like seventh grade or ninth grade and then that's it. Yeah. But you know, 
so there's just not that continued thing or maybe they don't even have access to that like right. you know, their school was just to- was very abstinence approach they didn't talk about these things or if they did maybe th- the information was dated I don't, there's like right. a million and one reasons so yeah I was thinking we already talked about how you um, do the Narcan training and that we've collaborated on those in the past. What what other upcoming events or new services do you have for this area's population? Well, upcoming events, going to put a plug out for tonight, even though <laughs> no one's going to be able to come as listening to this. Um, well, we do have a Narcan training tonight. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of the most current thing that's set up for now right um but in the past i've been at the green county uh the green the green county fair okay yeah i was next to the ice cream stand and oh, a, little, perfect. a little too close to the to the um cheese curd stand as well the fried curds i was like oh jeez. um so yeah and i mean the, the thing with arcw is um we we want to support you know, prevention agencies like Better Broadhead right. as much as possible. Yeah. Um, so it can be something like a training or um, any sort of health fairs or festivals. We can kind of adapt and make it work. Right. In the past, besides the fair, what have you done in Greene County besides the collaboration mm-hmm. with Better Broadhead? Um, w- well, I've worked a little bit with... Bob Gibson, right. um, and and doing some harm reduction and Narcan training for him, and I think I did it for some school officials. Um, I did a health fair at the high school. Oh, that at Broadhead? Yeah, that yep. was, I think a long time ago. Yeah, that's probably a couple um, years ago. Yeah, yeah, as well as I have collaborated a little bit with the Green County Drug Court okay. in doing Narcan trainings, harm reduction, as as well as HIV and hepatitis C education. Nice. Yeah. All right. That's good to hear. The drug court's doing good things, it seems like. Yeah. It seems like it's really taking off, and yeah. it's so wonderful to hear. Yeah, I know it takes a little time to get traction yeah. mm-hmm. and all those things. I know they had a couple... It was taking them a long time to get through the the process, but it is a eighteen month, I think, process to get through drug court. That's, so yeah, okay. Yeah. Well that's good. They finally hopefully found their groove. I think maybe. so. It sounds like yeah. it last I heard. So so how can people um listening to this kind of support your guys' efforts? Um the best thing that people can do is to learn about us and take the opportunity to learn about ARCW and the work that ARCW does to help those in need and the health areas that we work with, HIV, hepatitis C, injection drug use, so substance use disorders, mental health. You know, learn about it, be an advocate, you know, break the cycle of stigmatization. And I think most importantly that I'm always trying to remind people is to be kind to everyone. Right. You know, um, yeah. that's what we try to do at ARCW, channel our inner Mr. Rogers. You know? <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I love that. <laughs> yes. It's so dorky. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, you know. But it's a good way of thinking that kindness and treating people like you would want to be treated yeah. goes so far. Yeah. We have to remember we're all humans. So let's mm-hmm. treat each other like that. 
And, you know, if you don't know something, then take the opportunity to learn about it. I mean, look at my, how far I've come. Like, I, first day at the, at the needle exchange, right. I was like, what the, what the heck is going on? <laughs> right. And I, and now, like, seven, six, seven years later, I'm a huge advocate for it. I'm right. literally paid to work at a needle exchange. So. Yeah. Yeah, we can all learn and grow yes, from experiences. Absolutely. We don't have to stay kind of in our stagnant little places. We have that yeah. beautiful opportunity. So what is your guys' website for people to check out? It's uh, www.arcw.org. Okay. Or you all can right. just type ARCW into Google. Yeah, and it'll, it'll find yeah. it. We are on social media, too, I think. Uh, Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, okay. and YouTube. Oh, ooh, even on YouTube. Nice. We're making waves. (laughs) Well, is there anything else you want people to know about the work you do or Um, I think anything with that? I think I talked enough. (laughs) You're done. Um, but you know, if you're ever, if anyone's ever curious, they can always call any office and just learn about it. We do do we do have volunteers, so if people are interested in volunteering, they can. Nice. Um, otherwise, we are a friendly resource to utilize. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Appreciate you talking about all your work. Yeah. And everything that. <laughs> that ARCW does so and thanks for listening um, our coalition meetings are the third Tuesday of every month and please check out betterbrada.org for more information and upcoming events thanks thank you for listening to another episode of clear thinking brought to you by better broadhead to stay up to date on the next episode please follow us on iTunes <laughs>